on this episode of Quantum Week, January 6th through 12th, 1991. Welcome to Quantum Week. I'm Matt. I'm Chris. Quantum Week is a show in which Chris and I leap into a random week of a random year, and we talk about movies and music and headlines, and uh, we are continuing uh, through January 1991 with Awakenings and High Enough by the Damn Yankees. Yeah, I want to give a little state of the a business union here a little bit before we get into the show. Go right We talked it. a little bit uh, before about uh, advertising on different shows. Yep. Uh, and people may know we, we have done that. We've been on the Gas Digital Network on two different shows. One's called Real Ass Podcast. Yes. With Louis J. Gomez. The other one's called Gomez Watches Seinfeld. Um, and that that has a, a smaller audience. The other one has a, a Real Ass has a, has a larger one. Uh, the Gomez Watches Seinfeld is a newer show. Yeah. Um, and... Um, so we we've I think we've been really happy with the results. Yeah, it's been good. Um, yeah, definitely numbers are up. And yeah, and working with Gas Digital has been really great. They have an audience that uh, is similar to ours in that we're so controversial. Yeah, <laughs> well, we are for some people though. <laughs> I, it's weird. I think it's just because sometimes we're loud or like we yell a little bit or maybe we're passionate. Because no, I don't think we say. We I mean, have... we just have a. So what we're mean about movies yeah. though? It's uh, like pop culture. Oh, I know. I, I shouldn't convince you. But that's exactly. But that. But, but other shows. You, you go to the Ringer. You go to some other other places, and they're not. They won't say negative things about actors, actresses, directors, movies. You know. And I. Don't, I we always try to be fair to our criticism, but yeah. we, but we are pretty critical. And and a lot of people. You know. That that's a lot for them to take. Where the gas digital crowd is uh, similar, I guess, to the Barstool crowd, and that you can't really offend them. Yeah, they're um, used to uh, more conflict. Yeah, and they won't. They, you know, that's something that won't bother them because we we've advertised on a couple other smaller shows, and people will uh, listen to it and be very, you know, may, maybe not like the content. They're not, they they want to hear about the week in history, but they don't want to hear negative stuff about a movie they like or whatever. Right. Um. So I think we found a good audience, a good um, landing spot for us there. And the other thing is they have a lot of different kind of shows, so we might yeah. try to, you know, it's not just. Ruby J. Gomez. It's, they have other shows that have completely different audiences, but also audiences that won't be offended. So yep. I think it might be a place where we can hopefully, you know, because the reason I'm, we're bringing this up to you guys because you guys are reason we're able to do this. Yeah, you helped us pay for it. I mean, h- huge. Uh, yeah. You know, obviously we have our advertising, but a lot of the money we have also comes from the Patreon. So, um, you know, having you guys help makes a big difference and allows us to be on these shows. So I always try to, you know, uh, kind of let you guys know kind of like where your money's going and how it all works. Um, and yeah, so I think we're gonna, um, you know, we, uh, we have maybe four more, four or five more shows to yeah, go. Three more, uh, th- well, I think by the time you hear this, you'll have two more. Okay, I, think, two I more. think the real ass we're gonna be on is gonna come out on Saturday. We're taking okay. on a Friday. Yeah. The Seinfeld one just popped, uh, today. And then, so we'll have one more week of, okay, cool. Of those spots. I'm guessing next week. And then, um, and then we might take a month off potentially and then maybe or or, or kind of see what the other uh, options are available and see how much those cost. But I think we're going to try to stick with Gas Digital for a while because it's been by far the most successful thing we've Oh, yeah. Done. Better than the smaller podcasts that we've been. I mean, I think because it, yeah. or at least if there were if there was a difference, it was negligible. We couldn't couldn't tell that much, you know, right? So I mean, we've so like comparison like one time and plus gas has been awesome they put our clips at the end of some of their shows yeah. including the one that just popped yesterday uh, today right the seinfeld one that did it again so they've uh, 
multiple times they've put our like a minute clip of us talking about gangs in new york at the, at the end of those shows right is, we never asked for that it was just a, a value add really nice of them to do that instagram uh, share too Ruby by G. gomez uh, wrote yep. about us on instagram they have this um when because you have the ability to uh, for real ass podcast which is a pretty popular show they'll have um they'll they'll do like a youtube component and they'll have us our logo uh, oh. when they talk about us and it's a like it takes up the whole screen so yeah that's pretty you know they they i think they've gone above and beyond they've been really great to work with um they've been really fair uh with pricing and, and kind of and also like trying to give us the best options possible yeah so i i, I think we're going to stick with them for a while like i know like for instance like last week on a non-show day we charted not episode, but like show. Yeah. And that tells us we got a lot of subscriptions, a lot of reviews that day, and it all came from real ass podcasts. Yeah. I can just tell. And, um, cause why else would it, yeah, you know, if we're not we dropping a chart on a non show day, it doesn't right. make sense. So, um, for us at least. So, um, yeah. So, like, we're definitely getting, you know, buzz or get people who, would never have heard of us otherwise interested in the show potentially which is great yeah and tons more like twitter followers too i sw- i think we bumped oh, up God. like 300 in the last few weeks which is kind of a lot for it's us it's crazy for us like matt obviously matt because he's on kirk's show the kirkman show obviously so uh you know he he's always been kind of like carrying the water for us from followers like uh and matt still has like three three times followers i have but the show is catching up to you it is catching up it's gonna pass me it is yeah which, it's totally gonna which, pass which is me. Good. it's totally good yeah i'm happy with that um yeah, and just just recently within the last few weeks since we kind of really started that, it's really bumped up. up. The, the Twitter account yeah. has really blown up. Yeah, and that's like a main. That's really kind of. I mean, we post on Facebook and stuff too, but yeah, neither one right. of us really care about it. Well, and it's some, hard. Like Facebook, yeah. honestly, too. The other audience, Facebook is a lot of people who are on Facebook are older, so they're yeah. not going to listen to podcasts. And a lot of people on Facebook, you think a nostalgia show would be great, but I think a lot of people also are uh, confrontation averse like you know matt and i would go at each other yeah. as you guys know like and i think that's great content for a show but a lot of people don't want they don't want to hear that no it's uncomfortable people get along right. uh you know my idea you know when i sit down to the show i try to make it like siskel and ebert and you know like that's my, my mentality is hope you know that try to be because they didn't really i don't say they didn't like each other but they had a lot of respect for each other but they would also fight with each other yeah i think that's good content yeah i mean you gotta have if you don't have different opinions if you're just like locked up the entire time it's not well, how fun is that and just, fight and if it's if yeah. you have a personal problem like I, I give matt credit like you know we if we have an issue with each other we take it on air like we i don't think we've ever really bickered off air but we've bickered a lot on air which is where to do it like i'd rather fight on air it's might as well, oh yeah you want to fight when i was gonna get content yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> like, might as well do it in front of people well yeah i mean might as well make it and you know because I, yeah, I, I think that's entertaining no you're so, right it um, is yeah but a lot of people on facebook might not want that and then a lot of people who like the ringer and other places maybe we would advertise uh, that's just not what that's not there that's we're not, not their audience and like no. i said we've been no. on some of these shows and i've guessed i they've had me come in as a guest a couple of times and I've talked and sometimes the hosts are a little, I don't want to say put back, but a little bit kind of shocked <laughs> potentially or, and then, or they'll listen and they'll, it'll be, um, yeah, it, yeah. It they don't, uh. it's not the audience fit isn't, isn't right. Right. Um, but even people, I saw someone, uh, gave us a review and said they came over from, uh, from one of the shows from, um, real ass podcast, yeah. or one of them, which is great. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely working. That's, yes. that's a good audience for us. Yeah, that's a good so parallel. Audience. I'm really excited because we were definitely, the first couple months of the Patreon, we were having a really hard time finding like the right spot to spend yeah. the money. And it's like, shit, like, what do we do? We have now, we, we, have, we have this great resource. How do we spend it? We want to a, use it wisely and B, use it. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so the, to be able to do that is, uh, so a huge thank you to you guys because it's, it's definitely helping the show grow, which is the whole point. And then, um, I don't know. Hopefully we can keep advertising with them for, you know, for the rest of the year. And it gave, it gave us a huge battle yesterday with the gearheads. We did. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, so, you know guys, uh, some potential reply Mike show, but, uh, and obviously, you know, by Mike, uh, 
being nice advertising, uh, giving us a little, little yeah, stuff yeah, there. I, uh, I was kind of mean though, actually. After I tweeted, were, yes. I, I, after I tweeted what I what I tweeted, it didn't mean it like mean as mean as it. I looked it back later and I was yes. like, oh, that was kind of. I, I did mean. not like that tweet. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. So, but I if you, if, obviously uh, check out you know goodbye, <laughs> goodbye Mike a shout out here because I did a spot with him. I don't know if I talked about it in the show. We did an episode of Cheers uh, for his uh, TV time capsule. When so, did you do this? Uh, about a month ago, a couple weeks ago. Did I know this? Yes. Uh, what am I doing? Uh, so if you're looking for a uh, kind of a fun, I'm sorry, Len is all over the place right now. Len just ran on. Yeah, uh, the kid, uh, my cat is like is crazy right now. Yes, I don't get why. I uh, neither do I. Uh, but if, if you um, uh, if you, you know if you're looking listen to hear uh, me and Blind Mike talk about Cheers, you can catch. It. I think I think it's in the ten dollar Patreon. Uh, Oh, maybe that's why I'm a five dollar. Uh, is do you, are you not a big cat fan? I'm uh, fine. I'm just trying to. You'll be uh, fine. I'm you won't hurt him. Show. <laughs> it's, <all distracting>. <laughs> <laughs> it's very nice. Uh, yes. Uh, so if you're looking for an extra, show, check out Blind Mike's Patreon. Uh, and uh, obviously, Blind Mike's a, a huge friend of the show. Came. Yeah, on. yeah. Blind Mike's right. We have him on again soon. Uh, sorry, I, I was mean, Mike. Uh, to talk about awakenings. Anything else you got about uh, show stuff? No, I think that's about. I think that's about it. So awakenings. Yes. Um. Do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? You tell me. How do you want to slice this? Yeah. So I really, I this is such a, this is such a, a lovely movie that is tremendously sad, and I'm shocked it got made. And um, I, I haven't seen this movie in a while. Uh, this quality of this film is is fantastic. I really like this movie. It's not going to make my top 100 or anything, but it's in that next tier. It's such a good movie. Yeah, I would call it probably an a minus yes territory there's a couple things that um bother me about it but uh but the, you know the acting is pretty much phenomenal between um between the two it's incredible it's yeah incredible. there's the whole cast a, is good. Just a small like some small issue but but not a lot uh, the, the when when de niro first awakens it's a little it's not as believable it's not as believable like he's talking right away that's not his fault but it didn't it's the decline that's like fucking off the charts incredible. like he is incredible at that yeah. and then robin williams too he is um i know there's a lot you know earlier this is what seven years before goodwill hunting where he really yeah, but he like, already that's, done that's, that's, society yes and good, that's, and good morning vietnam which is a little bit goofier role but he got that was his first dramatic or it's real. true this isn't his first dramatic but it's like well, yes I mean, but, world, world according to garb is probably his first dramatic yeah but, yeah yeah, but, yeah, I yeah. Mean, no, but I'm not saying this is first dramatic. I'm saying that's probably the peak of his ability Google at hunting. Goodwill Hunting. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Uh, but this isn't that far off. Like he's no. really great here. Uh, he's this might be my, his second favorite. My second favorite Robin Williams. Yeah, I think that that makes sense. Movie. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal here. Um, he is maybe the most uh, empathetic person on the planet. Like he's he just shows sympathy and empathy better than almost anybody. I don't know anybody that shows empathy like like he does. In case you don't know, uh, well, a this movie is on Stars, um, so if you haven't seen it, you can check it out there. I, I can't recommend this movie enough; it's very good. Uh, but it's about um, Oliver Sacks is a famous um, uh, doctor, yeah, uh, say psychologist. I guess it's it's like a brain. It's not, He's a neurologist, I think. Yeah, I think right. By by training, uh, yeah. If you grew up in the seventies and eighties and nineties, he was like the brain expert, if you will. Uh, like you know, anytime you had like anything on Nightline or whatever, they'd always kind of go to him. And he wrote this book called Awakenings about um, his time at this hospital um, where uh, these people had uh, encephalitis, which is a disease in the twenties and thirties, and it basically made them—I don't want to say comatose, but made them almost like. F- frozen i don't know yeah so encephalitis encephalitis um affects the brain it's a neurological disease encephalitis comes from a bug mosquito something like I that guess it was an epidemic it, though, it was an 20s epidemic 30s, yeah. they, i can't remember how it transits but it does affect the brain and the symptoms are have 
uh, are Parkinson-like. And it seems like, so Parkinson's... So, um, well, people think Parkinson's dating Michael J. Fox or Muhammad Ali. They but, do. But this does... It goes past that. It's yes. almost like the, so the way they, I mean, they explain it in the film too, where it's almost like the, the twitches become so aggressive that your body just freezes because yes. it's twitch, because it, it's trying to twitch against itself. Right. It just becomes frozen. Um, which is fucking frightening. It's uh, horrifying. Horrifying. And, um, yeah. And, that, and that's, so basically when we meet these patients at the, at the beginning of the film, they're basically comatose. They're basically comatose. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, um, in fact, they call the ward the garden because they're just the like stupid, terrible joke. Yeah. yeah they're, they're just the a bunch of vegetables. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. And, um, and Oliver Sacks is at a new doctor at this hospital and he's, I'm sorry, his name isn't, it's Oliver Sacks wrote it, but it's, the character's a different name. I'm sorry. Yeah. I forget the name. Leonard, uh, Leonard, uh, no, Leonard's, um, Robert Neer's What am character. I saying? Um, yeah. Um, but, uh, so he's, and I mean, Ron Williams even looks like Oliver Sacks. Like he has the beard and everything. Yeah. Like it's, uh, Malcolm Sayers. Uh, so Sayers. That's yeah. right. Yeah. They changed the name for the movie. I'm sure for legal purposes, but, um, so, um, he, uh, he had tried some different treatments and eventually is able to use, was it Dopa L? It's L Dopa. And that's what is used. It's used for Parkinson's even today. Is it? Yeah. Michael, yeah. I read Michael J. Fox's biography. He talked about the use of it. And he also has talked about how, like when he did, um, remember when he met with a Congress and he gave like, yeah. a, like a testimony. He's like, yes. I didn't use any of my medicine. Right. Um, and he was, because I wanted to show them what it was really like. Oh, cause wasn't that the one where rush was making fun of him for? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. That, I know. An asshole. asshole. He's just, you know, trying yeah. to get, I know. Trying to get that's that's shitty. Like, yeah, I know. Uh, but he, but he, so he, he didn't use his L dopa that day to show you, Hey, this is what it's really like on a day to day basis. Yeah. And, uh, and he's even said before he, sometimes he like to act and stuff. He may have used probably too much of it. Like he's, mm. uh, because they didn't talk about it in the movie. There were some concerns. Because this is right when El Dopa came out. Uh, yeah. This movie takes place in 1969. Uh, obviously, it was made in 1990, 1990 when, like, uh, the week we're in, which is early 91. Yeah. But, um, and uh, the treatment uh, allows these patients to basically come out of this comatose state. In fact, come out of it with no real tremors. No, they looked pretty good. But unfortunately, the medicine has, a, a, I guess, a short shelf life of, of holding this back, and the tremors come back, and eventually the patients uh, become incredibly have horrible tremors to the point of it once again becoming kind of frozen again so it's almost like they get kind of this brief moment in time and i think that the way that they show this is pretty amazing because uh so you see leonard as a robert de niro's character as a as a child um, the movie opens right, with this it opens with this um it's beautiful he's, beautifully shot by the way oh yeah yeah and yes penny marshall's finest moment as a director yeah oh yeah definitely maybe maybe that opening might be her finest moment as a director it probably is there were some other weird things in this movie that i was like penny but uh but that, that was that was really great uh but yeah so you see this open where leonard's just as a boy and he's like he's a, just a normal kid like out with his friends and uh you the thing is you don't really see the decline like you see the decline later on after they come back right. and go back so i, I thought that was super powerful because yes. you don't really know what you're going to get into right you don't know what the progress was for these poor people who and you just see the end state of them being comatose and that's scary enough right but then you see the decline afterwards it's like holy fuck that's what they dealt with in the beginning and now they're dealing with it again it's it is uh it's super powerful the, to watch that this movie is so is so powerful and a big reason is is because it's really about on some level it's about failure like yeah these people get they get this moment where they are kind of back to life, but then they like, Oh my God, they, they showed a little bit. I, I guess maybe you could have shown it more, but uh, then again, how much can you take? But so Leonard is the character by Rob played by Robert De Niro. And he's the first, he's the, he's the guinea pig. He's the first one to get yep. it. And Oh, so then they give it to maybe as they say, like, I don't know, say a dozen other patients in the ward that have this. Right. Okay. 
So because he got it first, he's the first one to show the recurring symptoms again of, of getting these tremors again. So they're all like, is this going to happen to us? And Robin Williams is trying to tell him, well, uh, you know, you're different people, different. but you can tell in his face. He's like, yeah, like, yeah, he, this he, is gonna, he this gonna like, yeah, you guys are fucked. Yeah. And you know, they don't show them because I think for two reasons, a to pull off what Robin De Niro does. Is oh man. Asking. I mean, only he could do it really. Yeah. He's the greatest actor yeah. especially at this point, you know, he's, he's phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so to act, ask these other actors to do that is, is not a, uh, a, a possible task. And then B also, I just think it would have been so, it would have just been, I mean, my God, this movie's, I don't say a downer, but just, yeah, to see what De Niro does. It's not like when you think tremors, you think these small, you, you think shakes. We think probably like Michael J. Fox, right? You but know, that's not what's going on. We're talking like full on. Yeah. You see him a scene with uh, Robert De Niro trying to brush his teeth and just trying to get the toothpaste on the toothbrush can't do it and just brushing his teeth his arm is is going back and forth like eight inches ten inches it is he, he can't control it and the way that he does it is so powerful because it's his whole body so you have to yeah. see arms going in different directions and but it doesn't look like a spastic no weird it looks like, natural like it, and obviously it's it's, it's uh, it, natural is not the right word i guess it's no it looks but authentic it, that's what yeah for, right it's the, right but, it's, but, it, but it is also incredibly unnatural Yes, but it also looks oddly natural because it's so authentic. You know what I mean? It looks like it looks it's believable. Which for any other actor, you think this guy's this guy's just like, this, he's just this, faking. This is stupid. stupid. Yeah, he's just like you know, yeah, writhing around on the floor like a dead fish. The saddest think. thing to me is a, a scene right right near that uh, hairbrushing scene, which is all, uh, I'm sorry, right near the toothbrushing scene, which is very sad. He also combs his hair fastidious, uh, what's the word? Fastidious? fastidiously. Yeah, and uh, but because he's he's shaking, he can't get the hair quite right. Can't do it. The saddest scene for me though is because uh, I'm a big book reader as well. Like he's trying to read a book uh, and he goes to read and he's just sh- he's and he finally puts the book down. He's like, I can't read. I can't stop shaking. I can't read. Yeah, and it's like oh, oh super sad because the mom, uh, the mom's still alive. His mom's uh, at this point is obviously much older. I, I would say Robert De Niro's character is probably in his late forties, early fifties yep. here. So the mom, you figure, is like in her seventies. Yeah, they gave they gave it. Uh, he he's fifty or forty nine. Forty nine. Yep. Um, they so gave his age, mom but, is like early seventies. Yeah, uh, and but she talks about him as a boy. Like he loved to read. What? Um, yeah, Sayer says, like, what did he do yeah. while he was locked in his room? Because that's what happened. He, you know, it, it was sort of a slower decline where over the course of several years, yeah, they took him out of school. meet him when he's probably about 12, 11. Yeah, something like that. But then they say that he he didn't really go into his comatose. He was almost 20. 20, but he was declining. So, right. so Sayer's like, what did he do this entire time? Um, you see his terror, like this really heartbreaking scene where he's looking down at his friends who've come knocked on his oh, door because yeah. they want him to come out and play and he can't, he's just, you know, he's looking down at him, but so he, you know, he reads this. So obviously reading for him was probably his only, like his biggest and only outlet. Like he wasn't going out in the world. Um, he loved to read and that right to see him lose that again after he, after he regained it, lose it again is heartbreaking. And that, I mean, and that's just an example that probably sums up the whole experience. The thing that you love the most, the connection, the outside world, um, gone, just decline and gone. There's so many levels in this movie too. So like these people were basically were asleep for 30 years, 30, 40 years, some of them. And, um, when they awaken, they're old. And they're also in yeah. this whole different world. 1969 is very different than, say, 1926 or 1935, whenever they went to the state. And um, they find some people are angry. Some people are of this dozen. Some people are amused by it. Um, it's a really fascinating look. Some people feel, or one guy said, I feel cheated. I feel cheated. swindled, as we use, yeah. which is a, a 
very very tragic words he it just it was like my wife is gone my kid is my, out west yeah. somewhere i can't find him and i've lost 30 years of my life i feel swindled yeah yeah and it does the movie does end cap with him like being visited apparently by he's in a comatose state but his grandchildren are there touching him but that felt a little hollywoody i think the real oomph to me was that when he's making that statement absolutely feels swindled and these people were these people did nothing wrong and they had 30 40 years of their life stolen and then they basically were put through that same thing again and it seems like their experiences were different some of them said it felt like i was in a dream state some uh uh, leonard said i it was like i was dead because as he's declining he gets to a point where sometimes he's completely frozen and then someone will touch him and it sort of takes him out of it a little bit and he was watching it right you remember he's watching himself uh kaseer filmed him and so he watched himself freeze and he's like right there i i it's like i died i'd gone somewhere else i wasn't there anymore so different people even experienced it differently. It's, it's horrifying. Well, they have they, this movie is also very intelligent. It's written by Steve Zahn, who's written a lot of Matt and I's movies that we both really enjoy. We both really liked Moneyball in the yeah. show. We both really like Gangs of New York. I'm a big fan of The Irishman. Yeah. Um, he's written, uh, and obviously he's done Schindler's List, which yeah. is what he won the Oscar for. Yeah. But he did this, and he got nominated for an Oscar for it, well-deserving. And um, he, the screenplay is incredibly intelligent. The actors are intelligent. And there's a great scene up top. In fact, it happens so quick. It's almost like you really got to pay attention to this movie. Uh, Max Von's uh, Sidhu, Sidhu yeah. uh, who's a very good actor. He's, yeah. uh, he's been on stuff forever. You, you'd recognize his face. But he plays an older doctor who treated these people, uh, treated people with encephalitis before. And he talked about, and he's like, well, what happened? Robin Williams asked me, what happens to these people? Like, are they yeah. are asleep? Are they awake? He's, and he's like, oh, they, they're asleep. It's like they're dead. And Robin Williams is like, well, how do you know that? He's like, because the alternative would be, is you can't. Horrifying. You can't. And I think what happens is, like, the idea that imagine if you were frozen, you couldn't do anything, and but you could still think. That, I think, it sounds like, based on these patients, we must have some sort of, like, safety shutoff valve in our brain. I hope so. That switches off because... If you're just frozen and you can't for years, for 30 years, like I think we must just have a a, probably because think of like, because if you woke up from that, think of the psychological damage it would have done. I mean, because you wouldn't be you wouldn't know how to relate to anybody anymore. Like it would be gone. Well, and you would see and you'd be in terror. You would you just yeah, imagine you're that powerless where people are, you know, that that is like right it's like a punishment worse than death i mean it's obviously much worse that's horrible i mean that's a horrifying but it seems like but but uh, uh was right though his character's right is that these people did yeah. basically say no i wasn't really awake the whole time but they also could feel presence they knew their moms and then like for instance it was interesting so robin de niro's character he sees his mom for the first time and his mom when he sees her is in her early 70s she's a very old woman yeah and she looks very old you know and, and um he uh he's not surprised she's old. he's not but then he sees himself in the mirror and he's like whoa yes because he hasn't right he hasn't registered so, that at all so he right. was a little awake where he did yeah you know he saw his mom age even if it was subconsciously sure. he saw it yeah because he wasn't shot but he but his own because he was when's the last time he probably looked in the mirror and it was it was shocking i thought it was interesting that robin williams's character doesn't go in like he witnessed he sees that uh that Leonard is looking in the mirror yeah. and kind of checking himself out and is a little bit freaked out, but he doesn't intrude on that moment well, at all. It's very private. I know, but still, yeah. but you'd also be, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what I would do because I'd also be afraid that he would be too alone in that moment. Like he would need some, need some comfort there, but, uh, but, that's not what happened. It was an interesting scene. I thought Robin Williams is, inc- is incredible. This movie. I said that I think it's maybe his second best performance. <sighs> oh. We should talk about that because oh, come on. No, 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 I agree. Um, I'm wondering why, I think the Oscars fucked this up. I don't think they did. This is a weird year. Well, this is a weird year, but not, but the problem is why I don't think De Niro is, I mean, should have been wrong. nominated for actor. I think De Niro should have been acted wow. for, for 
for um this, this is a we, we constantly have this, this we, we talk about this all the time but he didn't he, you think he was the one that motive I, I thought no, it was I, I agree oh, with you we I'm agree saying. right but this what? happens all the time I, we but know, this is bullshit works. williams should have been nominated for this best actor angry for 40 years this is it it is bullshit let's have gummies williams should have been nominated for best actor he wasn't um de niro was nominated for best actor he should have been nominated for best supporting actor now whether he and i think he beats i think he beats pesci i think you're wrong and I think he beats Pesci. Pesci's good. No, he, okay, he should not have beaten Pesci, and he wouldn't. Uh, Pesci. So those things. But remember, you don't he, think so? Yeah, Denier already had his Oscar. You know, uh, that, yeah, but we're talking two, about he had two at that point, right? Raging Bull and uh, and uh, Godfather. Yes, two. yes, yes. So um, that's bullshit. No, because who doesn't Andy Garcia get a fucking nod? Well, that's the thing. Well, okay, Come so on, let's, let's go through. Because right. so the 1990 uh, Oscars. What? Well, yeah, yeah, right. The, right 91, yeah. but it's about the 1990 movies. So the 90 Oscars were incredibly strange, and it was an incredibly odd year for movies. A very strong year for movies, um, but people don't always remember it right, or they don't look at it that way. Maybe because the winner is Dancing with Wolves, which is a pretty controversial um, uh, winner because it's not. I mean, it's a good movie. It's a good movie. It's a long, it's boring. It's certainly long. long. Yeah. And it famously beat out Goodfellas. Right. Which is, in my opinion, the second greatest movie of all time. So that's the problem. Uh, also nominated that year is Ghost, which we both did. Now, I know, Matt. You know how I feel I, about I liked it. it a little more than Matt. A lot more. A lot more than Matt. It's Matt, all right, really but it says it should not have been nominated. Uh, so we have, here's the nominees for Best Picture. Dance with Wolves. Yeah. Awakenings. Yes. Ghost. Yes. Goodfellas. <laughs> yeah. The Godfather Part Three, which is not that's, a good movie. That's bullshit. Yeah, that's crazy. That's bullshit. And a crazy list. That's crazy. So here are some other movies that almost that just just missed the cut. Yeah, The Grifters. See, I know I've seen it, but I don't remember. I, I know it's a Cusack forever. movie, yeah. but I, I can't remember. Uh, yeah, I kind of put her in the map. Uh, and then Reversal of Fortune, which I haven't seen. Again, I know I've said that's an Irons movie, right? Yes. Yeah. I know and I've seen that too, but so it's so won, long ago. He won Best Actor. I like Jeremy Irons, but I don't. I, I just can't believe that he's better than. I don't know. I, I, I haven't seen it, but like, but Costner was nominated that year for best actor. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, De Niro for Awakenings, like we said. Right. Uh, Gerard Depardieu for Serrano de Bergerac. Don't think I've seen that. Depardieu. And then Richard Harris for a movie called The Field, which I have no idea about. I, uh, Richard Harris is a good actor. We, we of course. I like love Richard Harris, but and, uh, uh, but I don't. I don't know that one. Uh, right. So also, by the way, now also another movie that could, might have, if they had a, instead of being five best pictures, you had ten. Right. Misery. Oh yeah, <laughs> another one. Yeah, that's a Pretty great woman. one. Oh yeah. I mean, just you know, think about yeah, some of these yeah, movies yeah. that were uh, postcards from the edge was a very critically acclaimed film. That's the Carrie Fisher. Um, yeah, she, her, her she wrote it. Uh, but yeah, about her and her mom, Debbie Reynolds. But it starred uh, Olympia Dukakis, I believe, in Meryl Streep. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I mean that's another movie that got a lot of uh, um, green card, got a lot of plus, uh, press that year. Um, yeah. Uh, so, it, so it's an odd movie. It so, is odd. Um, we mentioned obviously, this, you know, actor. It ends up being, uh, you know, Irons wins over De Niro. Yeah, uh, I mean, okay, who knows? But but no, but this is one of the best. De Niro's performances is that could that that's a career making. Uh, I mean, he's had more than that, but that's a career making performance. Like if you're anybody else, that's a career making performance. So that's right, that should so be one of his best. De Niro be actor. Maybe I I I, I hate John Fry, but let's just, let's do, let's have Robin Williams be supporting actor. Okay. Okay. Probably, probably would have been actor, actor, like we saw with Dumbo Louise, you know, actress, actress. Yeah. Um, but let's just say they're both supporting, or let's say Robin Williams is supporting actor. Yeah. Joe Pesci wins for Goodfellas, which he deserved to. I mean, I love Robin Williams, and I love Robert De Niro in this movie, but Joe, Joe Pesci and Goodfellas is, that's a story. See, I think he beats, I think he beats Williams, but I don't think he beats uh, De Niro. 
I think De Niro has too. Okay. Uh, okay. So then Bruce Davison, who's a nice actor, who's a good actor. He's a nominated for a movie called Longtime Companion, which I have not seen. Oh, no idea. This is a crime. Oh, that's the AIDS movie. I think you're right. Yeah. Uh, this is a crime here. Andy Garcia. <laughs> this is for fucking... The Godfather Part 3. And I'm a, I'm a Garcia I apologist. Like Garcia. I like Andy Garcia, but come no. On. Come on. Uh, also, Graham Greene for Dancing with Wolves, which is fine. He's, he's good in that movie. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Al Pacino for Dick Tracy. And I okay. really like Dick Tracy. All right. Yeah. This, I'm this, a Dick Tracy apologist. This, this is stupid. This but is like, a stupid year. I mean, it's, but it's, but it's also like a brilliant year. Yeah, but he should not. I mean, that's a, that's a fine role. How do you give it like over, you know, for doing Robin Williams there. I, you don't. I, maybe, I, I don't know. I, uh, this unfortunately happened really before I was really aware of what was going on with the Oscar. So I don't know how it all played out. Yeah. No, uh, Williams. I'm should- guessing they probably put both for act actor. I mean, what we saw this year with uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. You had Lakeith Stanfield and Daniel Kaluuya yeah. both up for supporting actor. So who's the right. actor in this movie? Right. So, I mean, this has been going on forever. Um, no, De Niro should have been supporting actor. That's the way it goes. And I, I agree with you. I agree. I know you You're think, right. I know you think he doesn't win, but Robin Williams. It's absolutely. He's, he's driving the action. He is. Yeah. Literally. We follow him the entire way. Williams, De Niro never wakes up. So, like, it's, There's, know, there you go. go. Like, yep. this is, right. You know, and um, so the other actress, another person in the movie, Julie Kavner is a very, very good Very good. Yep. She's and, very um, good. So I looked her up a little bit, uh, prep to the show. Everyone, everyone to a man, to a woman, to everyone, says how great she is to work with. I guess a, a consummate professional, um, incredibly just like kind. She's a very private person. That's why I was like kind of interested. Like, you know, I don't really know much about Julie. Marge Simpson, of course. Marge Simpson, right. Yeah. Um, but I don't really know. And she was also in Tracy Ullman's show, which is how she got Yeah. Me. So yeah, was yeah. Dan Castanella, who's yeah. Homer. They were both in that Tracy Ullman show on Fox, which was one of the first Fox shows. And they used to have those like little, pretty like one minute, simpsons cartoons in that show that's, that's right. how he became the show yeah but uh but everyone just raves like julie cavern has done a lot of woody allen movies i know woody allen's obviously uh, not, not a great guy but uh you know everyone who works with her wants to work with her again hmm. she's uh was people older than us would remember she was rhoda's sister on rhoda yeah uh she won four she's not only for four straight emmys though Oh shit! I guess she was like really good in that show. Yeah, uh, I I did watch. I watched more Mary Tyler Moore show around. I did Rhoda. I didn't watch a ton of Rhoda. Yeah, um, she's but, really good in this. She doesn't have a. No one else really has a huge part. That's you know what I mean. So no. you know, for to nominate her would be tough. I mean, she's probably got. She's probably the third. You could have gave her supporting actors. Not. Yeah, you could have. And she's just not as. She's just not as like present as the the two. The top. I guess. Two. I just think she's really good. She is good. Um, very good. And um, so it's, so we we mentioned how like this is really Oliver Sacks. Really, I mean, it's who this yeah. who this doctor is. And Oliver Sacks, it came out after he died. He died about five years ago. He, he, he was gay, and a big reason why he got you know obviously he got a lonely quiet life because that's just who he was too. But I think a lot of it too may have been because he he was uh. gay and that's why he was you know single at the, you know at this time probably had more to do with that than him not you know. So they do kind of Hollywood it up a little bit with him you know having Julie Cavner have kind well, of a love thing there. And that's my problem with this movie. That's why this isn't an A movie is because you Hollywood it up there at the end. Like you have you 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 do the so you do the parallel move of uh, of Sayers character having his awakening, going from being a really shy introvert person not having a lot of confidence. Obviously right. a very smart guy. Right. This isn't his field, whatever. To getting to the point where he's asking, um, you know, the, the nurse out really Kavner, at, yeah. at the end, I I didn't like that at all. Why the cherry that because I don't want to feel good about I don't like I I oh, man, already I don't have, know if you can make this movie otherwise though. I really, you don't yeah, think they would do it? I yeah, do, yeah, but I it was know. like such a such a, just a little bit of a I keep this movie that made it all uplift at the be, at the end. I just don't think it's authentic to the uh, I don't to the feeling that we're having. It's they like would, they wouldn't have made this. Movie. I didn't like the you know they they really tried at the end too. He has his little speech where you know, but we all just learned something like life is precious. That I and, don't mind that. Okay, but some critics did. Some critics agree with you. 
I, I just felt like it was a ho- it was too much that and then the him asking around. I mean, you knew that was going to happen. You got I just wish you yeah, could have done a little Robin, bit more. Robin, Robin, Robin De Niro in a fucking chair? No, frozen. It's so funny because <laughs> like do. like the first twenty minutes, that's how you see De Niro is just like he's a frozen yeah. in a chair. It's crazy. Like that's one of the best actors on the planet. Right. He's just frozen in a chair for twenty minutes. He's in a fucking chair. <laughs> yes, it's crazy. <laughs> but no, they could have done it where it, the relationship sort of buds over time throughout the course of the movie. Then it wouldn't have been as abrupt. Like do 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 do. It is abrupt. I think the relationship does eh. all the time. I disagree with you on that. I, no, I, no, they definitely can become more comfortable with yes. each other. But the just the end climax of him asking her out is like, woohoo! And he's so excited. He calls down from the window, which parallels the fact that you see De Niro as a kid looking at the window and he can't go outside. Right. I mean, that's fucking hurts me. And uh, calls out, wait, and then he like runs down and asks her on a date. It's like, <laughs> we don't need that. We don't fucking like. That's not. That's not where I'm at right now with this movie. That's not where I'm at. No, this movie tries very hard uh, to make it uplifting at the end, and it's not what you walk away with. You walk away with an incredible amount of sadness, um, and that's that's what this movie probably had to get made. Now, I, the cinema score is interesting. So cinema score, we talked about this a little bit on the show. Mm-hmm. That's when people, they kind of pull people walking out of the movie theaters what they think, and people are idiots. Uh, so for anything <laughs> yes. to get it below or B minus, sh- it just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Like, everyone who just walked out of a movie because they just paid money for it, and they're all dumb if you got an a minus on cinema score your movie is shit no 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 no, but b minus is shit yeah yeah. uh a b minus like for matt and i it's like oh we kind of like that a b minus on cinema score basically means it's complete trash right um so uh there are i think there's only like seven movies i've ever gotten like an f it's like it's it's, i think like freddie got fingered the tom green one is one of them there's like there's like very few (laughs) amount of it's like i can put them on one hand um and uh but this got an a which is very high you know obviously a is very high obviously but but like but I was you wouldn't expect that the audience would be okay with this movie. I thought the movie audience right. would be down because a lot of times the ones that get the lower scores are sadder movies. Yeah. Like people, audience have a little harder time digesting those. Um, and um, I was shocked to see that an A. Uh, I was happy to see it. Like, oh, audiences were pretty sophisticated back then. That's good. <laughs> not now. No. Um, but uh, yeah, I was, um, I was pleasantly surprised to see that. But I think you, there's no way this movie gets made. Now, I guess one thing, so, uh, okay. So two things. One thing I want to bring up real quick before I forget is Anton first. Anton first was the guy that did the production design. We don't talk about production design a lot in this movie. I mean, in the show rather, we probably should talk about it more. We're going to talk about a ton on our, uh, next show, Batman. Yeah. Anton first also did the production design for that. And that's his, that's his, uh, that's his crying achievement. Yeah. That movie. Production design in that movie. Incredible. We'll talk more about Batman on, uh, on Saturday. Uh, but, uh, Anton first did this movie, which I was shocked, but this movie looks fantastic. It's, uh, you know, so much of it, especially that opening, that opening scene is, like Matt talked about, yeah. where you kind of meet Eli Nerd, it's all done without any dialogue. It's really, or very little dialogue. You, you kind of hear like background kids playing, but not a lot. It's yeah. very good. Um, and it just looks beautiful. It's stunning. Um, some of that was filmed in Park Slope in Brooklyn. It just looks amazing. And um, and the scenes in the hospital look great. And it's tough to do those kind of things because especially, if, think back to 1990, you're really in the shadow of One for the Cuckoo's Nest. And that came mm. out, what, 74, I think? Yeah. So, you know, you're only 16 years removed from that. And the first thing you think, if you think, you know, sanitarium in 1960s, you're thinking that movie. So you got to make yeah. it look different than that. You do. But you also have to make it look authentic. Clinical, yeah. Yeah, and they do a great job separating that. Um, so Anton First, anytime you see Anton First in the credits, you know you're going to get a really, when I saw his name pop up, I got a very excited. Like, oh, I know gonna who's going to yeah, look great. Right. Uh, no, maybe no one was better at production design than him. Um, so then you have Penny Marshall. So we probably talk about her a little bit. So she is not, so the film is nominated for an Oscar, but she is not uh, nominated as a director. And I think that that's correct. Oh, 
Um, I have some problems. I had some problems with her. Um, I had some problems with now, people would say you're being very sexist. Oh no, not at all. I'm incorporating our what? Sylvia Coppola. I mean, they having fucking today. If a movie directed by a woman was the woman did not get a best director nom. Oh, it wouldn't happen. No, that would. I mean, that the fucking world would end. Um, I think it's good but i just think she has some problems like the little 60s shot uh where um you know where they're out in the world and they're underneath you you know the one i'm talking about right when the plane goes overhead and they do this this like you you kind of you kind of you're kind of hoping for like a boom boom like a little um austin powers kind of dance break after they do that she does that film that that i don't know it's like this camera move that was so dumb there was this thing in the 80s the late 80s where they anytime they had the 60s they must have used the same and this is i guess first is like weakest moment they 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 do this thing where they really need to make i swear to god if you look at any movement like 86 to like 91 look at how they interpret the 60s it all looks the same it's like the same hippies the same, oh exactly like, yeah you know, they're strutting outside and the same like age of the aquarius guy. song from yeah. harris playing it's just like all right we get it we're in the 60s the right hoop now. skirts all it. that whatever that is there's no way everyone was like fucking cliche no live back then but there's no way everyone's a walking cliche yeah. <laughs> <laughs> things are so brown it's like sunset and you know like, constantly uh, and I mean, yeah. that's why i give tarantino credit so much also by the way uh, one, uh once my time in hollywood takes place in 69 and he oh yeah Entirely yeah. music. Yes. And it's great music that was very popular at the time, but it yes. hasn't been just done to death, like Forrest Gump soundtrack. Right. It's all music you haven't, especially me, I'm, I'm born 79, I never heard just a lot of songs before that are great yeah. songs, you know, like Rolling Stone, some B-sides and stuff like that. Just great stuff. And the movie, look, the people all don't look the same. It's not all shot the same lighting. That scene is the weakest in the movie with Ron that's, Williams. That's, yes. that's where, yeah, it's like, that's, come that's on. Like, you want to knock Penny Marshall for that? I'm not going to argue with you. Okay, good. But other things, she shoots quite well. Like the whole, um, so the one of, I have this like conflicting feeling when we watch Leonard's decline, I am of course horrified and sad for him, but I'm also like kind of stoic because he is, it's like, I'm with you, buddy, because all he wants to do is he, he, he's, um, he tells Robin Williams, uh, character film like film me don't go away right. you're like don't you know he's don't really help me film me and almost wants to help him he says no 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 no, no, no. Film, film it film it film it, yeah. film it and so you're kind of stoic with him and the way that marshall shoots that is is really powerful she yes. does a great job there there's some stuff she does a great job with but it's a great scene with uh penelope ann miller plays um yeah. the daughter of a patient who has a different uh has a stroke he's a stroke victim yeah in a different part of the hospital and she meets uh, de niro's character because de niro another part of this movie is kind of about freedom too de niro's character is like listen i feel because before the tremors come back uh, he's like, I feel fine. Yeah, I, I know I'm under medication. Can I just go for a fucking like walk around the block? Right. Like, I I know I'm I was sick for a long time, but I'm not sick now. I don't have any sort of like you know mental illness besides I had encephalitis. You know whatever. Like I'm fine though. Like, yeah. Let me walk around, and it, they they won't let him. Yeah. And he gets very upset. But yeah. Uh, but for you know for a, a good portion of the second act, Robert De Niro's character is like a regular healthy guy yeah and um he meets penelope ann miller's character and they hit it off you could tell that like had things been differently they may have gone on dates they may have had a romantic yeah seemed thing going she was so she it. seemed interested yeah and he and he seemed very personal we kind of see how even when he's a kid he's kind of a personable kid like you could see is, how this yeah. kid this guy is would be people would gravitate to a bit and then you know trevor's come back and rob de niro's character finally tells look i don't want to I, I i i don't i don't know if i can see you again i i i'm he's declining so rapidly and and he doesn't want her to see him like that yeah. and he's embarrassed and and she doesn't really know what to do and then they start dancing and um i i cried oh it's it's moving I, it's I, super I, moving i was yeah because uh, you know it's the last time this guy's gonna be able to 
to do this again. Yeah, and he's never, I mean, think about it. He's never had a relationship with a woman. Like, no. he, you know, he just he he, declined too I, fast. He's a, he seemed like a really great guy. Yeah, seemed like a really great guy. Even when, <sighs> he seemed like a really great guy. The other problem that I have, I'm sorry to like switch like this, but I, the other problem I have with the movie is like his, his, like his, takeover of the, of the hospital. I mean, I understand why, but he, he sort of leads this like two minute revolt. Yeah, it's not and even fun. it's, he's like that's some sort of, that's a, that's a screenplay. That's, that's, that's science. Yeah, yeah. I love Zion. I love, so I got nominated. Yeah. A, yeah. Matt's it's right. so a weird. Portion of the scene where he, he kind of gets, he, goes, he has like he protectors goes into more of like an insane ward. Uh, then like uh, people who are sick ward. Yeah. And, uh, he, he kind of starts to revolt. I, I understand you would be angry, but it just, it feels at a place. It feels weird. It felt like he was your bodyguards. Um, you know what it felt like when I was watching him? He was a uh, component untouchables. I was like shake Guevara. I was thinking some sort of like coup is was happening, but, but he's, I felt like yeah, he's yeah, using I the same that. muscles he yeah. used for untouchables. So right. Like, ah, this doesn't really belong in this movie. Yeah. It didn't feel right. Um, um uh, yeah, I that's the other knock. I, I didn't Those uh, two, fine. but that's not, that's not Penny's fault though. That's, that's on the page. Yeah. That's Zion's fault. I suppose. Yeah. That's still all right. Well, that that's what keeps it from being like an A movie for me. Is it's it's, clo- it's an A minus. It's close. Yeah, maybe. I- there's just some. There's a couple things, and it's it could have been. It actually could have been a perfect movie. It could have been like it had it had the yeah, caliber of acting for, for the for the two things you mentioned. Right. It uh, could it could have been. But this movie, I I mean, it's still great. This is a, yeah. You should watch it. I'll say this right now. There are a few movies in my even in my top 100 personally or or, or anything we've covered honestly that have moved me this much or makes me. Uh, it's just to see. The saddest thing is, you know, we've all, you know, we watch movies, tragedies happen, right? Like, oh, that's sad. That happened to that person or whatever. But it's the tragedies that, and then they're able to kind of like be aware the tragedy happened to them. That really, yeah. like, uh, I don't want to give it any way, but like Million Dollar Baby, there's a twist net that happens. Then I, first time I saw it, I was just bawling. Oh my, my God. Out. Yeah. It's, and, um, yeah. And, but one. there's other, like, I think it's that realization that you know that things will never be right again and that you can never, but you remember how things were beforehand and that to me is very upsetting it's very upsetting yeah it's very and and um and it would be you know and the promise leonard's such a nice guy and it's he's he, he just he handles it i mean you see some humanity there where he's obviously he's upset and he yeah. you know but but he handles it about as well as a human could in that circumstance like he he has a lot of he has a lot more peace than i would have i think i might fucking start shooting shit because and uh, maybe it's i mean it's what they were trying to show in that scene where he gets angry and has because like, you would get angry and you would that is part but of this it process just, it wasn't is is angry it just it really wasn't um i mean to penny's i guess did, you know uh demerit it was not shot particularly well but it no. also is but i think the biggest problem there to me is the the screen how it's kind of shoehorned in there yeah it just didn't, doesn't feel we didn't need it, it. Feel right. we didn't actually really need it, it. Need, i guess you, maybe they do want to show someone getting i do like some of the patients being angry like that one guy said i felt swindled that Absolutely. anger felt real and, and that that felt in place with this yeah, movie agreed where robert de niro like reading seven or eight other insane people around just didn't feel right nah uh, I, I, but uh, but i mean you know i'm i'm you know this is based on a true story i'm guessing something like that did happen yeah um i have not read awakenings i, I hear it's a brilliant book uh and this movie does make me want to read the book um uh this is I, one I where read a couple of oliver Sacks' essays and they are very well written and they're very they're not um uh, have you ever read any uh-uh. no they're not um like hyperclinical like i get kind of bored with some i'm not i don't like science yeah. stuff i'm like oh yeah. god some biology book is gonna fucking bore it's more like oh i like, kind of like malcolm gladwell style like oh inter- interesting essay that's written for a dummy like me where i can read and be like oh i'm not confused by a bunch of medical stuff it's oh it's like an interesting story yeah about this person who has this ailment or this other that's what i read i read a couple of those essays and i'm like oh you know and you know, watch this movie I'm like i should read, read that book. books like, yeah. it's, it's easy you know, brilliant guy man and um 
it's just, uh, this is a really, and the other thing I love about the movie, I guess before we move on, unless you have anything else, is, uh. is uh, you don't see movies, stories like this told. You don't see stories no. about failure told very often. No. You don't see stories where it ends on such, I know what, I know they did Hollywood up a little bit, but it does end on, really, it really does end on a downbeat. I mean, I'm sorry. I know, I know they tried, but they tried. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's, that wasn't my lasting impression of the movie. I mean, I think of him and Penelope Ann Miller and then him yep. just trying to read a book or him combing yes, his hair, exactly, or him yep. like brushing his teeth. That's it. And it's a great line, even when he's brushing, he's like, he's like, I sometimes I don't mind the tremors. They have a life of their own. They <laughs> yes. Keep life interesting. <laughs> yes. So you can see him kind of put like a happier face on it because I think Leonard is such a trooper. But then, um, you know, other times you can just see the frustration. Sometimes the frustration isn't even said, it's just in his eyes. Yeah. And you even see it in Robin Williams' eyes. And Robin Williams, you know how I think Robin Williams, the person, is so annoying. Like uh, he's just so irritating to watch. I don't think he's funny. He's a famous joke thief. You know, he fucked the nanny. He's not not a, not you know. Robin, I know the, the the sainthood of Robin Williams exists in, this, in our culture for whatever reason. But yeah. Robin Williams, you know, be, turning all that off and being a passive human being, a passive is the right word. I'm sorry. Um, like meek human being. Yeah, and pull it off. He is as much as uh, maybe I don't like Robin Williams the person as an actor is incredibly authentic. He's great. One more thing too, I forgot. As I, I'm guessing, uh, so this is the first time I had seen this movie I think, since I read the book Wired. Wired is the book about John Belushi, really about John Belushi's death, his final, mm-hmm. his final last last year, really. Yeah, uh, it's uh, written by Bob Woodward. It's a very interesting book. It, it is a little bit, it's a little long, uh, heavy, heavily detailed, heavily reported by Robert Woodward. So this isn't the funnest read, uh, but, uh, the last, the last two people to see John Bush alive besides the hooker that, uh, you know, probably gave him the, the drugs that killed him was, um, Robin Williams and, uh, Robert De Niro together. Really? Yes. Why the, what? Dude, they were at, they, they were, were in California. To... They went to his bungalow, uh, at the hotel that, uh, Bushi was staying at. Yeah. And things were really fucked up and they left. I mean, cause things were so fucked up. Uh... And that was the reason robin williams became sober and that night and it was also the reason that um uh Nero really like calmed himself down he was kind of a hollywood to some extent he was quite about, he was really smart about it but he definitely was a party boy and and, and De was for a while yeah in the 70s and 80s yeah. early 80s has fun but when belushi died he was like oh shit uh, but yeah so they they it was just funny to be like so, a couple times i caught myself watching movie, like, oh wow like these guys <laughs> these were, guys were out. Out belushi that night you know like things were really fucked up i think um i i think robin williams is was probably one of the smartest guys around you can see not he, smart enough not to steal jokes. Nope. Um, no, but I, I can understand, but his brain moves extremely fast and I can see why he would want to medicate that. Why he'd want to slow that shit down. When I'm, when I was watching him, uh, you'd see some close-ups of his face today or uh, today in the movie. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, and you would see, he's not saying anything. You would see him think and react. Um, there would be facial movements and expressions that were so perfect that he would have had to think about and deliver like super fat. You could see his brain working so fast to deliver this stuff. Um, it makes, it makes complete sense that he would well, have. think about how intelligent he must have to be to be able. So if you're the audience watching that 1990, you had just seen Mork and Mindy eight years earlier. We played a fucking alien. You saw Popeye. Pam Dauber. What's that? You saw Popeye. Yeah, well, yeah, well, people didn't. That was the problem. But, uh, <laughs> but you saw Mork yeah, and you Mindy. Saw Morgan he was in your living room for right. five years That's true. as an alien. Yeah. Uh, and then have him be believable as a brilliant doctor. He must yeah. be a really smart guy to pull that yeah. off. Now, I, the one question about intelligence, though. So who's more intelligent? Robin Williams, a guy who had various self-destructive behaviors. Uh, Turned it around. Uh, okay. Yes and no. Um, 
it, 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 always a chaos around him. There's always shit going on. Kind of a very dysfunctional crowd around him at all times. Like, obviously, he won Oscars. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. You know. Or someone like Jerry Seinfeld, who is who looked at entertainment as something incredibly clinical. He would do stand-up sets for years to master each syllable, to master that. And his TV show was—I uh, know you weren't a fan of Seinfeld, but no. the way he cra- the way he built the show yeah. with Larry David, like working with him to kind of have it all be by design. Uh, and then to, you know he's only been ma- he's been married to the same like he waited a little later in life to get married. Like everything Jerry looked at, it was almost almost like Jeter, like where you look at it. Yeah. Like, all right. Um, and George Brett was the same way, I guess. It's like, all right, I'm going to do things very methodically and do it the right way. Well, I don't know uh, that Seinfeld had the same raw talent that Williams does. Um, so he had to do it that way. I mean, I, I kind of think of it the same way as uh, it was Pete Sampras as a tennis tennis player probably didn't have the same raw talent that Andre Agassi had, but I know we're dating. I'm dating myself, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. but still, but Sampras um, ended yeah. up with a better career because he was just a workaholic and workaholic and just was so clinical good habits can be the success. Exactly. That's, that's, yeah. that's exactly right. Where Andre was, you know, was more of a, you know, he was a partier and had, he, he had some talent, problems. I guess. Okay. So Robin Williams, Robin Williams has more talent a, than Seinfeld does. Robin Williams was a much better actor than Jerry ever was. Obviously by miles. I mean, it's not even a comparison. Yeah. I think Jerry Seinfeld was much funnier than Robin Williams. Maybe, but I, I don't really like Seinfeld's comedy either. Um, I think Williams is better, way better improv guy. Like for example, he's just faster. He's just his brain is way faster than than most people. He's super fast. Yeah, the the, the joke thief thing really bothers me. That's something I, I get it. That's, yeah, that's, that's I, a, I don't. That's, exper- that's a hang up I, have. I didn't experience it because I don't. Yeah, uh, did you stand up like his? Yeah, yeah, he, he was did. famous with stand. Maybe the comic relief with, oh, with yeah, Crystal yeah. and, and Whoopi. Yeah. I mean, he, he, I don't know he, he that stuff. His bones doing, but yeah, I mean, he was like he was like one of the like the most vicious joke thieves, joke thieves in the world. Have you said though? I saw Bobcat Goldthwait in uh, in Burlington, Vermont, with Laura a couple years ago. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, who it was a fun set, but almost his whole set was Robin Williams related. Uh, um, I, they were very good friends, and um, and Bobcat says Robin was a great friend. So whatever that's worth, I, so, you know, I think Jerry is famously very good friends of George Wallace, the, the comedian, other yeah. friend, uh, Tom Papa. So it sounds like both Jerry and Romans were great friends. Like, yeah, I'm just, comments. Seinfeld seems like a, you know, I've seen, uh, I, I watched, I really actually like to show uh, Comedians in Cars with Coffee. Yes. Like yeah. I liked seeing that. how sharp he was. That's yes, all, he's that super sharp. He is, I mean, he's not a dumb guy. I'm not saying oh. that. I just think raw talent wise, Williams got I think most people would agree with you. I, I, I have, I just have a lot of respect for doing things the right way Me and too. not doing too much. Like Robin Williams did like 10,000 movies and like 9,000 were shit. Yeah. Where Jerry like was very, and same like this. Page Champs is a good example. Like they're very clinical. They just, you know, and say sitting with Jeter, like, yeah. you know, the, people just like, just did things very methodically and like did it the right way. And I, I just, I think that is a sign of intelligence that gets overlooked a lot. No, I think you're right. People are so quick to be like, Oh, genius at the fucking chaos. But it's like, no, no, I think genius also is not fucking up all the time. I agree. Yeah. It's two, it's two different types of intelligence though. Yeah. It's going to be more different than those two guys. But, uh, but yeah, I, 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 I like that. I respect Seinfeld. I'm just not a big fan of his right. and that's fine. But Robin Williams either. I, I'm not a huge fan of his comedy stuff. I, I really oh, know nice. more of his dramatic stuff. I would say, I mean, I think I, that's one thing I, got, I was left with kind of frustrated with this movie a little bit, which I am with every fucking Robin Williams movie. <laughs> I like is that like, uh, I, I want more of this guy. Yeah, me too. I want more of the dramatic actor because the comedic, the comedic actor doesn't really do it for me. He's not that funny to me. Um, it's just annoying and zany. Yeah. Um, but I really, I mean, I mean, Goodwill hunting is, uh, the best movie we've covered on the show, in my opinion. Yeah. And, uh, and he's a big reason for that. I think he's so great. And I just, I, I, and this movie 
he, he's very rarely better than this. This movie is very good. If you haven't seen the movie, please check it out. Yeah, he should have been nominated. It's uh, stupid he wasn't. And if you haven't, and if you have seen it like me, but you hadn't seen it in a while, it's worth the rewatch. Well, it's funny because for such a sad movie, you and I, you know, I saw it a long time ago. Right? I was probably twelve or thirteen when I saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had warm feelings for it. Like going to watch it yeah. in my head, my subconscious is this is a good movie. You're gonna, you know. I don't have warm feelings about some movies that uh, we saw in the past, but this is definitely no, one of them. I, I, and you wouldn't think it from, from you know, my experience you think would have been, I'm sure it was sad when I saw it the first time, but I still had warm feelings for it. I put this right in that same class of movies covered with like Moonstruck, The Fly. Yeah, 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 yeah. These are all, Top, I guess uh, maybe in the 20 range ish. Yeah. And those are all movies that I just, I don't, I didn't, before we did the show, I didn't spend a ton of time thinking about, but I was kind of excited when they popped up yep. and we saw them. And I was like, Oh wow. Like uh, I haven't seen it in a while. I haven't seen it at all. And I'm really glad I went back and revisited that. Absolutely. So this, is, this is, this is a good one. This is a good one. You should watch it if you haven't. Uh, anything else? You don't need to talk about it anymore. Yesterday is just a memory. And you close the door. I just made one mistake. I didn't know what to say when you called me back. Horlessness. Fucking Nugent. He's so self-important when he plays those chords, too. Yeah, it's so funny. <laughs> the bullets. <laughs> Kicks open the door. This song is good. This song's so good. Yeah, this song's so good. your version of it. Yeah, my version is pretty good. It's funny, but this song on its own. And it's a song, honestly, I didn't know that one. Like, you didn't know more, this one? I'm much more familiar with your version. <laughs> I know. I think I'm too young. I, I, think, I, I think I'm just young enough where I... This is seventh grade for me. Yeah, see. And this is like peak... Um, peak high school, peak junior high dance. No. So for me. Yeah, not for me. I did so, just missed it. it well, because in sixth grade, I'm pretty sure. So uh, middle school, did you have the same middle school? Was yeah, six, seven, eight me for me? Too. Okay. And we had dances in sixth grade, but we didn't. Oh, I, we, we didn't did. have them until seventh and eighth. We were just oh. like too, too young. So seventh grade dance is like peak dance for me because by the time you're in eighth grade, it's kind of like, Eh, but yeah. seventh, it's like you're first getting into the were, chicks. Yeah, I'm with you. And it's super fun. I yeah. loved dances in, oh, I, in seventh I, I, grade. I even liked the eighth grade ones because it was fun. Cause yeah, it, but it wasn't still, quite the same. Your buddies and you're causing mischief. And yeah, I, yeah. I, I didn't go to a single dance in high school. They had them. No, I, I mean, no, I think no, maybe no, I went to one no, or two, no, but no, then I was no, like, no. Until like prom. Junior prom, senior prom is what I did. But but then, but so that's that's why I know it because this is like, all over those fucking dance. We would have a dance every month, I think. We did too. And so this was all, you know, all the rage. This song didn't play a ton. And oh. I, I think I ju- think we were just, I, I feel like it's just like, I obviously go and dance at the same time as you, but I just feel like I just missed this. Yeah. I, that really, it's because they call them, when you search damn Yankees, what comes <laughs> up is super group damn Yankees. Yes, and it's is. like, no. <laughs> Really? This is going to be traveling wilderness. This is going to be super group. Seriously, <laughs> because you do this album uh, that does pretty well, sells a few million copies, uh, and this song hits number, I think this hits number three. Uh, we'd covered, I think, the first song and the second one I didn't give a shit about. So I, uh, so this hit number three. Mm-hmm. And then this, the next album that they did, we'll talk about that a little bit. It was kind of a stupid, didn't do anywhere near as well. And that, that's it. So you had uh, basically you had this, this song. They had one other song from this album that charted. It's this one. Coming of age about underage girls. There you go. Creepy old guys. 
So these, this one chart has hit like 40 or something, but, but you had these two songs chart, I think maybe one other from their next album, and that's it. It's fucking super group. Well, my, but this my is really. Issue, my issue isn't so much with that. My but issue, what I'm just saying, this is like peak them. 90, 91 is it. Yeah, but like, super group is like, super group, you have to be famous. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I mean, Ted Nugent was, I know, but like. Oh, well. And the guy from fucking Sticks? Ted Nugent. I mean, well, he's the one that I care the most about. I know, I forget as much. Yeah, I'm not a huge Sticks guy. Uh, no thanks. There's Pass. a few. Well, we'll get there. Ugh, but gross. How how stupid is Ted Nugent in this video? Dude, how stupid? He doesn't make any sense. He doesn't make any sense. First of all, like the song, the, the video doesn't make any sense no, at all. It's this is Bonnie and Clyde situation. The song is about a kind of star-crossed lover. No, not really. The the guy. Okay, the guy who the oh, God, the drummer. Read, yeah. Re, he, he talks about the this song. This is painful. This is painful. High enough was about how you love someone so much and you just don't want to scare them away. And it's like, do I take the next step? And then she freaks out when you go, I love you. And it's like, what? I'm out of here. And you're like, wait a minute, come back. But then the girl comes back because the bridges. The next thing I remember, I was running back for more. You know how you get scared and when you fall in love and everybody freaks out and then they can't be right. And then you go, wait a minute, this is great. Then you forget about the past. Can you fly me over yesterday? Can you take me high enough to fly away yesterday? That's his fucking thing about this. Yeah, he's coked out of his mind. He's coked out of his fucking mind. But then they do this like fucking jailbreak or there's this like the Bonnie and Clyde it thing. Off, it was like a comedic joke like up top. Like they're making fun of like the damn Yankees. They're making fun of Southerners, I guess. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then they, there's like a Bonnie and Clyde thing and then the girl gets sent to the to the gas chamber but ends up the priest is Ted Nugent? The, yes. Why? <laughs> I don't get it. Be, oh, because he thought it'd be so. Ted Nugent has got to be have the worst sense of humor on the planet. Oh, so so he, he thought, "Oh, look at me, I'm such a bad boy, but I'll be the priest." I'll be the priest. Get it? Oh, so stupid. Good one, Ted. So I think this couple too. The couple in the video, I think they go on a, a uh, robbing spree and they end up killing someone. That's sort of what they suggest. And well, then, yeah, but not really. They don't really. I think you. They, re, you think right, right, that synopsis. They don't suggest it. it look, it's not no? at all. They kill anybody. I thought that, that was a suggestion because she goes to the gas see, chain. No, they don't kill anybody. They don't kill anyone. They well, rob, how is that suggested? Because they kill. Because doesn't she go? To, doesn't she go to the gas chamber? I don't know, but it's not suggested. Yeah. Well, why the cops? Well, no, shoot? We don't know the gas chamber. We just know she's being, in theory, maybe it could be the electric chair. We don't know what she's going to. I'm just saying, like, why are they killing her then? If she doesn't, kill, I don't she know. doesn't kill anybody. They don't, but it's not suggested. I thought they suggested. There's nothing that's suggested. This makes the videos make any fucking sense. Maybe it doesn't make sense. They just wanted to have her. They just wanted to have an excuse to put Ted Nugent in a pre-suit. So in the beginning, Ted Nugent, right? It's an acoustic song, and it sounds stupid. By the way, Um, for some reason, the singer of this song is in like it sounds like it's in the Exxon Valdez, like somewhere in the chamber of this oil tanker. You have this giant verb. Sounds terrible. It's like where are you? You're like 900 feet away from me when I'm listening to. It doesn't make sense. So it's this acoustic song. Acoustic song that starts, and then. <laughs> and when the electric part comes in, which is just the ch-ch-chunk, ch-ch-chunk, you see Nugent like walk through the door with his electric guitar, hair fucking flailing as he plays these power chords. It looks so self-important right, and stupid. I'll ask you this, I don't, I don't know any better. I'm guessing yeah. a lot of audiences either. So you know the part in the video and the part in the song where you have kind of the extended guitar solo? That's the next part, yes. That's crazy, stupid. Is that hard to do? The solo it sounds hard. If you're if you're someone like yeah, us, the solo really is not. It's not bad. It's like a, that's a that sounds that sounds like a someone who has facility, and he does have some facility. It's not off the charts hard. Okay, I take issue with the the notes he chooses. It's just kind of it's just rock one hundred and one. This whole song, but is it is it, is it, sound, it there's some is tech? It, it, yeah, I, I would have to practice think, a little like, bit. Holy shit! Like Ted Nugent is a master. Of, you know what I mean? Yeah, he's. I mean, he does some the stuff. The way they profile him, and everything. he's not. He's a. He's a like a B guitar player. He's, okay. he's not amazing, but yeah, that it's he. He does an okay solo there. All right. But in order to fucking so 
the cops show outside this place where this couple's hiding <laughs> yeah, up and they're starting shooting it down shooting and he he kicks open the door to do uh, to do the guitar solo while they, fucking they, sh- while there's bullets everywhere but they're, but they're missing him they're missing him you see and you see cans fly up in the air because like, they're shooting what the fuck is that for i ted nugent to me seemed like they were on drugs ted nugent well i guess nugent wasn't though nugent is famously not a drug like he's famously a straight edge he is um but he like he's so self-important see i don't mind this song Uh, it's corny it's so derivative it's so dumb but it's fine this is much more entertaining than this song the dan nicky song i just find so so people give ted nugent He's a big righty. You know, he's a big conservative, yeah. uh, but he's a hypocrite and it's fine. But people give him credit for that because in a, in a world of, in the music's, you know, yes. world of a bunch of lefties, he's this big he's, righty. He's, he's a this, lone righty. Yes. Yeah. Yes. But, but I don't find, I still find he's so, so self-important and stupid. And we might even believe some of the same things. Like I'm a big two a guy too, but Jesus, he's so self-important. Whenever I see him, I'm like, you self-important fucking douchebag. And he, and he plays the douchebag in this video. Like, stepping through the door to play his guitar solo with fucking guns well, blazing he was everywhere the big star of this group well i would say that no he's a one-hit wonder well i agree with you Cat- he's a big star I'm not, do you think so oh he's by far the most famous person in this group i i'm not saying he's the most talented or he's worthy of that fame but he is the most famous by far is maybe because he's infamous well ted nugent like ted nugent. because tommy shaw because uh because um sticks is a bigger band than oh, nugent course. ever oh, yeah. was right Right? I don't like sticks at all, but yes, you're absolutely right. You don't. They had more hits. I mean, they just, they, they, they had like, they. Are you telling me you don't like this song? You don't like fooling yourself? It's a great song. Right. It's better than Mr. Roboto. Listen to this change. It's so good. This it's is uh, I, I, Tommy Shaw. Some of sticks. disco stuff is fun, but I, I just don't, I don't love sticks. You like Mr. Roboto uh, sticks? I do know. I said I hate that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Th- that might be the worst song. That, the problem is Dennis DeYoung is the same. So this song, uh, You're Fooling Yourself, um, was uh, Tommy Shaw, the guitar player here that we're talking about in uh, in Damn Yankees, was a guitar player for Sticks. one of like two guitar players for Sticks. He wrote this song, Fooling Yourself, making fun of Dennis DeYoung, the singer, who's a, also a notorious douchebag. And when Dennis DeYoung, you know, kind of took over the songwriting he he i think he just browbeated people down until he wrangled control of that band and it became less cool and became more mr roboto that's his fucking fault uh, but the other stuff like lady is a really good song too oh, oh. you don't like lady? Oh, no, yeah, yeah. oh i see i never i didn't watch that oh, show oh this is like a major is it yeah yeah oh but do they make fun of it this is a good song yeah this is a good one you really should see I know I have it too. I, I gotta see it. I gotta, you do a lot. It's right up your alley. I gotta see it. Yeah, I know. Because there's a lot of people in there I like too. Uh, oh my god, the cast is amazing. Yeah. Uh, but um, it's done. It's a major pop one. It's done. It's done, it's done with love. Yeah. 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 Um, anyway, that's so Tommy Shaw. I So I find him, he's the only member of this band that I fucking care about. And even, you know what? I hated Sticks forever because it's super che- cheesy. And even yes, Sailing, Sailing is a good song, but it's super cheesy. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, Cartman does a version, of course, but he's the only one I really care about. Jack Blades, the singer, fucking Jack <laughs> Blades Yankees. of uh, yeah, he well, he was of Damon, but he's of Night Ranger, right? Of Night Ranger, yes. yes. Um, I don't give a shit about it. and and Michael Carnaloni supergroup. There's no one famous. That's what I'm saying. This is not a supergroup. You fucking self important <laughs> like asses. It's just a group. It's so stupid. Um, <laughs> so anyway, this is a fucking seventh grade dance song. Um, and. 
Yeah, and they're so douche. They're fucking curly hair and their mullets. It's just so dumb. Um, the solo. Oh, this is the solo you're referring to. Wah pedal. I mean, I hate this line that comes up. Seems like it's just, it just doesn't work. And the faces he makes. I fucking hate Ted Nugent. I hate him. I really dislike him a lot. Um, there was another one. This is one of those groups that like, if you weren't, I, I may have seen myself here, but like, if you weren't like super, if you weren't alive or, or aware of things when damn Yankees was, was happening, you would, you'd you have no them. idea they exist. You'd totally miss them. You like and Cause they're not at all in like culture anymore. No, not at all. Um, and they got, so then the second out, the, this is, we talked about this on the Saturday episode that this is right. Gulf war. Yes. So they go on tour right after they launched this album, which isn't, you know, um, this is just not too long. Um, before, you know, before the week that we're covering and they got, they were super patriotic. Like they're doing big flags and whatever. So that even so patriotic that their next album is called don't tread on me. And the don't tread on me song. <laughs> This hurts me. Oh, so cheesy. I love that they said that they have not ruled out. I, mean, I saw that. They're, they're not. They're not slamming the door. The world's been clamoring. I mean, we need this. <laughs> Jesus Christ. They're so cheesy. I don't like I'm just, this, They're just so it's so derivative. It's the worst part of the kind of the late hair band stage. Yeah. They're just not badass at all. Oh, yeah. The songs aren't fun. They're not fun either. Like some of the Guns N' Roses stuff, uh, some of the Poison stuff we yeah. talked about. That's, those songs are a lot more fun. Poison's a little more tongue-in-cheek where where Guns N' Roses are just so badass yeah. that it's hard but to not love them. Like, yeah, super fun. fun song. Sup- I mean, yeah, super without fun. a doubt. Um, yeah. Just a retread, like rehash of, of a bunch of other stuff. I think, too, they, they really came off as we're the old guys trying to look cool again yeah. one more time. Yep. Our super group, like our, our super group dad's club. Yeah, and, and it, it even like felt it like watching the video, like oh these guys are this, these guys look old. I mean, I know they, it's funny is they're probably younger than us. I was thinking about that. They're I think they might be late thirties then, so yeah, they might be younger than us. Oh, I'm sure. They but are, the whole yeah. time, I'm uh, I was thinking uh, this. Too old to rock and roll and too young to die. Oh. That's what I was thinking when I was watching them. I uh, I was thinking, um, like I said, it's the end of the hair metal thing. And, yeah, it uh, really is. There's a scene in Almost Famous where Philip Seymour Hoffman is playing the famous music critic Lester Bangs, and he goes to uh, uh, the, the camera crew, the kid, the little kid, and he says, uh, "It's like, oh, you're here for the death rattle of rock and roll." Yeah, like you know, this this is just you know, it's not quite gone yet, but you're just you know here for the to see it out. And I feel like this is like the end of that's hair the end metal, of like that, just the death rattle of it gone. Not inspiring, uh, cliche, been done to death, but yet still sells enough records that it keeps existing for another few months. Yeah, I really. I mean, you know, think about where are we? January of ninety one. Yep. Like, like, I didn't want it. I could be wrong. I want to say never mind. Pops in like April of that year, something like that, and then everything changes. Yeah. So this is like the very end of it. Yeah, it was the same thing with ten. It's ninety one, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, so Either both, come, both out, come out and then it's grunge right. and, and it's we're over. off the races. So, yeah. yeah, so then it's right. This is just before that happened. And that was their problem too. They went on tour for the first, uh, for the first record. And I think they did, they did well enough, of course, to do the second right. record, but, but then, then no one was watching. The industry changed. Yeah, no one was going to go no. see their shows. No one cared about them. 93? They're playing fucking I mean, Chantilly's in Manchester. Right. right. <laughs> Pool halls. Ah. Uh, yeah. Dan, damn Yankees. Super yeah. Super Super group damn Yankees. Oh my God. So <laughs> cheesy. Great. Fuck these guys. Um, yeah, so we'll never, I'll never encounter. Oh no, what a shame. It was very sad. Uh, anything else about them? So Tommy Shaw, I do think Tommy Shaw is actually a bright dude. Oh, what I was going to say about them is I never really liked sticks, but then I saw, I caught a live show a few years ago, just on TV on like Palladium or something. And they were really tight and sounded really good. Like they were these very, guys? very, st- no, no, not Damien. Oh, sticks. Sticks oh, okay. was like very good. I was oh, like, oh, that's, sticks. Fuck no, sticks. the music is hard and they were like legitimately playing it off and sounded good. It's also hard when you do a bunch of harmonies to actually sound in tune. It's easy to do it on a record because you have a million takes or you can adjust shit now where doing harmony stuff live is very hard. You can easily tell when people aren't good. That's the big problem with fish besides their noodling. Um, they do all these cool, really complicated four part harmony stuff. And it's awesome that they try to, but it's never in tune. And so it just ends up, just ends up like you want to blow your head off, but, but they like, they pulled, they, they pulled that off really well. Mm -hmm. They're doing like big harmony stuff in their sticks anyway. Um, but Tommy Shaw seems like a bright guy. He must've known that this is stupid music. (laughs) <laughs> the video is great. It's so video, bad. You know, it's, it's a must. It's a, it's, <sighs> yeah, it's watch a bizarre it. five minute time capsule. <laughs> um, so we are back on Saturday. We are with, with Batman. Fuck and- off. Let me tell you what you tell me what I was doing now. Then you oh, got to give the people what they pay for. I keep forgetting. It's not, it's oh, not good. a big deal. It's not a big deal. Oh, no, 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 no. I want to hear. I, I actually, I, I'm so in tune to the Patreon show. I keep forgetting. This is yeah. what we're doing now. Okay. Yo, not fine. all the time, but maybe, maybe, maybe. All right. It's, it's, it's been the trend. It's been the trend. No, what are you doing? What's going on? So, uh, this is, this is kind of a quick one, but I, as I mentioned, I was in seventh grade. So there were a lot of, there were some highs and some lows. The highs were, uh, you know, I, what I was interested in girls before that started a few years before, but this is the first time I was like, you know, kind of having girlfriends and doing all that. But, uh, so there was the dances. I remember like the Halloween dance was so fun. It was like dark. It's so dark in the gym where we were dancing and you never, you didn't, you never like were at night with girls up until this point. True. Really? Yeah, no, absolutely. So it was just such this, yeah. you know, fun new being, world. It was weird being at the school at night. Yeah, it was. was and I've seen the teachers kind of yeah. out and about. I mean, they, they luckily my teachers stayed in the, like Ours they were away. Cool too. Yeah. They stayed away. Yeah. So we it was a bunch did, of kids. We also didn't um, go over the line. No, no, we were good kids. Um, but still, it was a smaller high school was different because, uh, you know, we had 500 kids in a class. So if, if there were dances, which I went to a couple, there were a lot more people oh, yeah, there. Right. But this was still uh, maybe a couple hundred people, you know, total between seventh and eighth grade. Uh, we had about 100 per class. So that, wow. Not a, I know yours was a lot smaller, yeah, so it must like, have been even more intimate and like weird. 38 in a class. Yeah. So we had like, what, 70 like, people? I, well, yeah, if everyone showed up, but yeah. you, had, you had like 50 people there. So that feels, but even still 200 in a gym, you know, a full basketball court yeah. gymnasium isn't that many. So it's still no. kind of, it's still kind of right. interesting. Um, you know, you definitely saw everybody there, but, uh, it was a whole, that was kind of a whole new fun world. Um, and probably the next major, event was maybe when I got my license because then you're going out on your own free at night, you know, meeting, meeting girls after dark. Um, but the low is, so this, I, um, 
So I've always done, I always did pretty well in school uh, towards the end, you know, in high school, mostly I didn't try very much. I just, I, I hated it. Like I hated sitting at a fucking desk, you know, eight hours per day. It is, it is like so it's fucking prison. Um, luckily I had a lot of music classes to break it up and I, you know, um, I had a lot of freedom in high school to choose electives. So I would always, choose, I, I took every music class I could. And, and so that, that definitely kept me out of the doldrums because you could move around and be expressive and stuff. It's fucking sitting at a desk was the worst. Um, but so I always did pretty well in school, but then this year uh, they started, this must've happened before, but I was always, you know, did they, they, they level you in, um, in school? So they would, they would in your same grade, you'd have different classes depending on your aptitude yeah, of course, for certain sure. subjects. Yeah. I don't know. Do they still do that? I'm not sure if they do. Oh, there's some, I know right, New York is a, it's called the gifted and talent pro program G and T. Well, I had that too. Yeah. It's CT yeah. creative thinking and then G and T, uh, Gin and talk. No, they, uh, they, and like, they say it's like, oh, it's racist and stuff. So they're trying, they're trying to do away with some of those things. But even like regular classes, did they level you? So you'd have A and B math classes. So the A would be the, the tippity top and then the B would be the, in the class of like 20 kids, they would do that. Um, so yeah. I get, yeah. So that's why I was wondering if they did it in your school, they cause it might've been so small. School. So when I okay. went, when I remember, uh, I told a story where they had, a, they wanted to promote me, like have me skip like multiple oh, yeah. grades. That's right. So they put me into a private school where they did that. And then like, Oh, I was excel, I excel at, at reading. Yeah. So then, uh, so it, right. So in that right. group, right. You'd have like five different, like almost like pods of English being taught. Yeah. But then, um, in math, I was a regular kid. So then I was in the more, ah, but, okay. was, but there were kids who were great at math. Right. So, right. So right, yes, right, right. yes and no. So they did that, but what happened was if you were, so it was like A and B, um, but they, you had, it was a different leveling for English and for math. Um, but math affected, if you were, if you were in the B level for math, I think it was actually A, B, C, and D, uh, cause there were a hundred kids in class. So I think mm. they actually broke it up 25, you know, 25, 25, 25, 25 in quarters. Um, so they, so y- if, you could be an A level for English, but B level for math, but it affected some of the other classes. I think maybe it, it puts you in like B level for science right, too. Right, right. And they did that to me for the first time. They put me, I was in the A level. I always did better in English and writing and reading because I love to me read. Too, and, yeah. But not that, but um, aptitude wise, how it shook out, I was younger was the problem like you, mm-hmm. but how it shook out, even on my SATs, they're pretty much dead even. My math and, and uh, English scores were pretty close. Mine like, were dead even, which is ridiculous because I'm not that person at all. What was it? Mine were dead even, exactly. Were they dead even? Yeah. <laughs> so maybe that's fucked up. I also I don't... went to the test like completely like checked out. I yeah, I, I was One hour and I didn't give a fuck and I just I like study. Did, did it to get, yeah. get out. Yeah, yeah. So I, maybe it's not, you know, but I, yeah, every, every aptitude test I take it before that, I had, I'm dramatically high in one area and like lower, you know, right. average rather than the other areas. I'd say I'm more even, but at that time I was definitely having a harder time in math. I was still getting probably, you know, B's or yeah. low, whatever, but, uh, but I, it was definitely harder for me. I, I mentioned before on the show that algebra, I didn't get, like, I didn't right. understand it. You know, it took a, an extra, a extra year for me to really get it, but, so they put me in in seven B for the for the math class, mm. and when they did that, um, I was not happy about it. Yeah, I was like, "What?" Because you know, I I just wanted to be well, I wanted to be in the top class. Like I felt like I was smart enough to be able to be with my peers. I had my a lot of my friends were in that, and it's not like there were a bunch of dumb kids in the B class either. Like I had a lot of friends there too. It wasn't that, but if you were in C or D, then that was a, a terrible was terrible place yeah. to be. But but still, um, you know, the people that I f- thought were Yes, my right. intelligent peers were in a and I wanted to be there too. And I knew I was, um, I knew I knew I could handle it. So they did that. And I talked to my mom about it and I was like, I can't, you know why this doesn't, this doesn't seem right. Um, yeah. I want to go, I want to go to a, I want to, I want to do that. 
Um, I think I can handle it. And my mom's supportive, of course. So I remember we went to the school. Um, I vividly remember it was, it was definitely after school it was at nighttime and it must've been, you know, probably it was, must've been in the fall. Uh, and we met all of my seventh grade teachers and the principal. Um, and at first it was me and my mom and, and all of them in this room together. It was, you know, like a teacher conference, but with everybody, which is kind of strange because we're talking about like one kid and one kind of yes, two classes yeah, or whatever. Yeah. It seemed like a little much. And I, I just, I don't remember what I said, but I made my kids like, Hey, you know, I think I can handle this. And, um, can I go to a, and we talked about it a little bit and then they sent me out of the room. So they talked to my mom. Um, so I'm waiting out in the room and I'm like, what the fuck? Why, like, why, you know, we could just have this conversation with me in the room. It would have been fine. I mean, I'm old enough. I'm 12, 12. Yeah, like, I can handle it. Yeah. But I know. Yeah. Um, my mom comes out crying, like, oh, bawling. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, <laughs> what's wrong? She's super upset. She's really wrong. She's upset. She's like, come on, you know, let's go. And, and uh, so we walked out, and I'm worried. Yeah. I'm like, this is just about math and yeah, right. <laughs> like, what? Yeah. It's just, you know, some class leveling. Um, but I was a sensitive kid, so I was probably. I was probably upset too because she was upset. Yeah. So get the car and we drive and I was like, tell me what happened. And she's like, well, I, um, you know, I don't want to make you feel bad. And I don't, um, I, she just wanted to be sensitive from, for how I was going to feel about it. But she said they appreciated that you wanted to move up a level, but they were worried because they think you have perfectionistic tendencies and if you fail, you'll kill yourself. Oh my God. I was like, what? Oh my God. <laughs> they think you'll, yeah, they think y- y- it would drive you to suicide. And, and I, you know, I've been a sensitive kid, but I, I, I'm relatively happy, um, pretty stable compared to some of the environments I've lived in. And, uh, and if anybody knew, I've never, ever, you know, I've been down before, but I've never, ever been yeah. to a point. Like that, and you'd think you'd think a group of teachers with a kid who yeah school sucks, and everybody wants to get the fuck out of school. Right. But you have a kid who wants to try. You'd think they would support them in that pursuit, even if it wasn't a great, even if it wasn't perfect, even if well, the I grades suffer. Well, but it's not like I was getting F's in math. Right, I was getting B's or B pluses. Hey man, I'll tell you what. You get enough. You get whatever. Say you get four hundreds in a row. We'll bump you. We'll, up. we'll bump you up. Give, give him like no. a goal incentive. No, like, we're not going to do that because we're afraid he's going to kill himself. <laughs> what? I don't know. Fuck these teachers. Who are these assholes? That's terrible. Strange. Terrible teacher. I love that they still kept you in the reading A one. They weren't, they weren't that concerned about you. Well, they knew because I mean my re- my reading aptitude at the time was quite high. I yeah. mean, I was yeah, no, I was definitely but, ahead. But it just takes one bad test though. I know. You could have just offed it. Put it in the D then. Put, just put me all the way down. Yes. Put me on meds. Let the, let the guy. Well, no, get, throw him the D. Then you're gonna, you know. <laughs> You're going to get all the dumb kids. Why were they worried? I mean, we're talking about seventh grade. Yeah. I mean, it's it's fucking seventh grade. I don't know. So yeah, that's my story. I thought I was going to off myself if they moved me up a level. Fuck these people. I wish I remembered their names. I would, I would call Which them I out listen here. to the show because they'd hear all the dumb takes you have on this show. Like, well, obviously he's <laughs> obviously we were all right. the time and he hasn't killed himself yet. So yeah, we're, we're all dramatic there. Yeah. Very weird, though. Schools Vividly, are weird. Uh, I, it's, uh, they're prisons. I, so I, uh, they're prisons. I, I, um, more so now than they were. I, I student taught. I, we, I think maybe we talked about that on the show yeah, you too. You said you had a really it was bad the worst. Yes. I realized, yeah, coming out of college, going into a public school in a oh affluent public school, but mind right. you, in an affluent community, how much of a prison? It's rough. It's tough. I can't. Yeah, even, everyone's doing their best, uh, but it's um. 
Yeah, it's just it's no, it's not lined. The incentives aren't lined up correctly. I don't. I think that teachers want to do their best. I think that there has been a huge influx in administration. Um, the amount of administrators oh, in a school system has probably quadrupled in the last 40 years. And it just, it, it narrows the box with which you can operate and you have all these legal requirements, state level and federal level requirements that you have to operate in that change a lot of times. And well, look at your town budgets, people like, you'll yeah, see, look go, at them. go see who makes the most money in education yeah. and the top five people. I guarantee, I don't care what they're administrators, in, they're administrators. The people yeah. you, your kids will never meet, never meet. And, and like, well, why are they making just, by far making, the most money? It's, it's like insane. It's, it's insane. insane. It's fucking insane. Uh, and of course, a lot of times they're trying to justify their salaries. So, you know, they're so going to have heavy more administrative too. stuff exactly. to say, yep. hey, well, what have you done? Well, yeah. I've implemented these right. plans, which I, I, you know, I'm sure they have the right intentions. I'm sure they do, but um, it's just the wrong incentives. Yeah. It's just the, it's the, the whole thing is it is. It's fucked up. It's all. It's, yeah. So that without flexibility, every human's different. Every kid's different. So without flexibility, right. without some flexibility, you know, you're really public school was really about training people to, to get, um, to be productive members of society when we were in a manufacturing state, like, you know, to go and work in a factory mm. and we're not, that's not what we are anymore. That's not, that's not like, the type of like, humans like, we're creating. On some level school kind of has to be a one size fits all it because, does, yep. because it's, it's just the nature of the beast. Yep. I mean, everything is to some extent. I also think it's good for kids to learn. Like you're not fucking special. Like you're going to have lunch. You're not going to get stuff. You know, you're going to learn the same things everybody else is learning because like, that's just kind of how the world works. To oh some yeah. Extent. I don't mind that aspect. I just mind more that the learn everybody's learning style is different. Yeah. That's the thing. And everybody's like has different aptitude, different right. interests, all that stuff. Right. And then different, we'll have different futures. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm in the same class with someone who's going to be, you know, whatever, uh, you know, someone who's like a, a man, like works in a factory potentially, but then I'm next to someone that could be a doctor. Physicist, yeah. It's like, well, and, I, and I'm just like a sales idiot. So like, or, or, or you're teaching us all the same thing. Exactly. Chances are two of us might not even need this thing. Right. Yeah. Um, but then, but how do you know that then? So, I mean, it's, 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 well, it's an impossible. I task. mean, that's why, you know, that's why I have a, a lot of affinity for the unschool movement where you are, you are directing the unschool. Edu- movement. Yeah. That's it's what it's called. Yeah. Unschooling. <laughs> I know it's a, it's, it's a catchy title. It's, it's, it's catchy. Something. I didn't name it though, but, <laughs> but the philosophy is just that you are, you are teaching based on the interests of the kid. Like if you watch a kid play, you know what they're interested in. And then you just try to, to teach them about that. Like if you have a kid who's interested in, in say like making food or baking something. Well, there's a whole bunch of math that goes with that. So it's trying to design the lessons around the things that they're interested in so that it has application to their life. And so they want to learn more, uh, the way that you do it in school, but memorizing facts does nothing, does nothing for you. Nothing. No, I mean, I think think it does have some, okay. It does some for you, but, but if, but that's all, that's all. Well, my public schooling was that it was memorizing a lot of shit. Yeah, I think even like the way like because like I'm a big reader, I love to read, right? Yeah. Um, and um, <laughs> you know they would force you to read these books that you don't care, and and the books, you know, right? Some books are obviously important, but a lot of books aren't. And it's just like I could have read any book. I could have read a book that I would have read two books that interested me instead of the Absolutely. one you forced on my throat. Absolutely. When it doesn't, you know, why are we all reading the same book? Right. Um. Yeah, and I know it makes it easier for the teacher, maybe. And that's but, what it is, and and I get it's you know, and or, or choose from a from a list of but, ten or but, something. And I'm someone that, so I'm going to read regardless. So right, I'll get through yeah. the fucking class. And I'm going to read yeah. no matter what. But I'm guessing, you know, you see stats like most American or a good chunk of Americans don't read books 
after their graduate school. Like that's the last book they read is the one. Yeah. Cause their interest wasn't peaked. Right. And yeah. They, they were reading the wrong books. They were, yeah. but yeah, they all have interest and stuff, but like, you know, if, if reading doesn't come naturally, reading just isn't something that's obviously going to be a hobby for you. Then you just never read again. What a sad thing. Like, seems really I sad mean, to me. I, I just, it's such a huge part of my life. So it's like, Oh, it's, you know, I imagine if we showed everybody the same, eight movies and you didn't like those movies and now you never go see a movie again right oh you'd miss so much it's the same thing with books it is yeah uh, but yeah i mean education what are you gonna do you know what are you gonna do man there's plenty to do but uh eh, what am i gonna do really i'm not no gonna, no, I'm no I'm right. yeah no i mean i'm, <laughs> I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm just gonna bitch on the podcast about it i'm gonna play my video games <laughs> yes you are movies, yes and i'm gonna make fun of things yes just, well, well it will impact the things I mean, are always done if there's a little chris running around it will impact you more oh then well then i'll build then, then i'll yeah you'll go house oh i hope you go house <laughs> I, I hope that this, uh, you know what it is it's that will make you care yeah, that oh, will make you care so much because you're gonna course. care for that little that little uh right. that little chris well, yeah. or christine which, which by the way has there's no I'm just saying no evidence that this is, this is happening. This, this may never happen. I mean, it may never happen, but just in case it does, that will, you're going to be such an old motherfucking dad, but, but that's going to, that is going to be a fucking awful. rocking chair. He's so old. Chris. We're already old. Yeah. But, uh, but it's going to be, it'll be awesome. You're going to be so passionate about it. I'm going to love it. Oh, I would be. Cause, I, I, cause I you'll be directing your fury to something that I'm, I would be so behind you that entire time and be like, yes, get him. I'd be excited. I mean, I just play. I, I'm, play I'm, I'm really enjoying this MLB show, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat my gummies and just. I'm really play. enjoying this fucking game, man. I'm, I'm, I made it the majors. I'm with the Tampa Bay Rays in my yeah. rookie season. I'm, I'm really proud of you. <laughs> it's, it's been quite a road. <laughs> it's been quite a journey. I mean, for a while, they were, you you weren't really improving. You had a 410 ERA. Yeah, you no, know, I yeah, I threw a shutout <laughs> my last start in AAA to end the season. It's still kind of fun. my manager was Ron Washington, this fucking asshole. I actually this really like head fuck. See, I like Ron Washington a lot. Why? And he's a fucking horrible manager. Is, was well, he? I no, mean, he was a ranger. He was a ranger's manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. they had a lot of talent. But he, but he, they did. But still, well, yeah. But Terry Francona had a lot of talent too. But but we think he's a good manager. Well, uh, well, he, he's proven he's a good manager with, uh, with the with the Indians. But I liked Ron. I have I have a soft spot for Ron Washington. Oh, Let's fuck not that guy. No, just well, because he, really, he didn't. Just because he gave you the hook. I never liked him. Uh, but I tell you, he gave me. They had so many quick hooks that year. The year he managed me in AAA, he fucked me so hard. I would scream, be like, "You cokehead motherfucker!" Oh, I'm so mad. And Laura's like, "Why are you fighting the dog? What's happening?" Yep. I'm like, "You don't understand. Ron Watson just put me in the. <laughs> you don't understand. Sixth inning. I have seventy five pitches. What the fuck? This fucking cokehead fuck. Oh, I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Could you act in the game? Does it allow you to swear at your manager? No, That'd be no, so, no, no, that's too it'll, bad. Like, it'll ask you a question though, and you can respond. It gives you like four options, and one of them is pretty sarcastic. Usually, I try to be a good, but the second half, you know, yeah, because you want to get to the show. You got, you have to be a good, right. play, You got to play. And play uh, but they'd be like, hey, you know, just you know, want to let you know you should work on your walks. And I would be like, option A, like uh, you know, you got it, sir. I'll do my best. But by the end, I'm like, okay. Or <laughs> you're like, or, uh, why don't you get off the or, smack, coach? Or be like, uh, like you know, something. It was like really sarcastic. Like, did I really need to know that? <laughs> go do more drugs or the fuck he's you're like you're fuck a triple a manager bitch i'm going to the show hey ron washington's not that manager where, where is he working he's not any fucking team i know i feel bad well he had the coke thing and <laughs> but actually wasn't it i don't think it was during the season though was it oh, i it was thought it was weird. before his, his wife was involved yeah it was so weird. weird someone so told on him the whole thing on that yeah we don't I liked him though. I mean, he's, I mean, he seemed like a genuine on, guy. On Washington. I'd like that. No, I think he's, I think you're giving him unfair shake here because I think he actually was a good guy. I really liked him. He seemed like a real, like he cared. Bald. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> trying to hide what I had. 
<laughs> he was getting he was getting Josh Hamilton all all hopped up. <laughs> that, that, that was a downfall of Hamilton. Got a Hall of Fame career. Nah, he was he would go. He was messed up. He had terrible terrible problems. I mean, think about the Rays. Devil Rays drafted number one overall. I know. Played a game with him. He was so. I know. He looked terrible when when he washed out the first time. He was so thin and he just he looked terrible. He poor guy has trouble. Marlins drafted that kid out. Was it Revere? Is Mass Jeff Allison. I, I guess oh. he threw a nasty fastball. He went like first round pick yeah. and uh, washed out. Same thing. Drugs. I couldn't, oh, couldn't go. But he had, everyone was like, you shouldn't have drafted. Like they, they were, they knew. people in the new knew. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I got, ugh. yeah, I feel bad. I mean, Hamilton, he tried. I know he's, he tried. He's, he was on and off. He tried. Stuff, and he's had some stuff after his career though. I know. Well, and for a long time he had a support system, but then it kind of, that yeah, kind of fell apart. Jerry Naren, he's uh, he's managed before, but he was basically for like a year, multiple years. Yeah, his job was uh, wrangle yeah. Hamilton, keep keep the drugs away from him. And like, yeah, he followed Josh Hamilton everywhere. And I luckily know. they got along really well. But yeah. like, imagine having this guy like all around, this old guy hanging out with you all the time. I know. I think his his marriage broke up too. It was like high school sweetheart yeah. stood by him. But how kids said that he was like I think he was uh, like a really like intense not. dad. So yeah, I don't know if he like took it too far. I think one of the daughters said he might have. <sighs> I hope. I feel. A bit. I hope not. I hope that. I hope he wasn't like that. I I do. Have, I have empathy for him because I just. He just seems so tortured with really? the drugs. Like he just can't, he just can't get away from it. Another weird thing with Josh Hamilton is uh, so, you know how like at the uh, innings you're doing like batting, uh, you like shag it, you're throwing the ball around yeah. like, between the innings, and then you they would you know lately they've been throwing the ball into the crowd. Yeah, he did that, and someone tried to get it, and they fell and died. I know. I wrote a song about it actually. Um, uh, Shannon Arlington was what it's called. Uh, Shannon, I think, was the per- the, the guy you wrote who died. A song about this? I did, yeah, because it moved me. I, I saw. It's I, really. It's really dark. Yeah, he uh, he fell off. Kid. Was it the kid that died? No, no, no. The dad died. The dad, oh yeah, yeah. Watched it. It's oh, I, I, the lyrics are coming back to me. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, it was really it, fucked it, up it, story. It really but Josh Townsend's the one that threw the ball. Oh, that that kills me. I forget. Yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, it's really fucked up. I started story. recording that song. It's not. It this is a long time. Like, it was right after I I heard about that story that I saw that. Yeah, and you can't. I mean. It's not Hamilton's fault, but he must have. No, been. that must no. have tortured him. Well, everyone's afraid he would get, kind of get back, but yeah. he actually seemed to have like a pretty good like bearing on it. He seemed to be like, <sighs> all right, it's just like he seemed to have a really good like handle around it. But uh, I remember when it happened, I was like, oh, what the fuck? And then I'm gonna hurt it. He was one of those. I was like, oh no. But imagine, imagine you're with your dad and that happened. Like, oh, that, that's the oh, worst. Oh my god, yeah. it's awful. Think about it. Yeah, it's a, it's a really fucked up story. But that that uh, but well, that, that stadium's not there anymore. It's the stadium down. Well, did they tear it down. Or? There was Arlington Stadium. So right. Uh, well, no, no. I don't know. Uh, what... It's not Arlington. It's the ballpark. Uh, is what it's called. Oh, the okay. ballpark at Arlington. Uh, but uh, they've they're at the Globe Life. They're in a new stadium in the last two years. Yeah, Globe it's Life gone. Park. It's gone. But I don't think tore it down though. Might still be around. I don't know if they tore because they're in a different location. I believe. I could be wrong. Fucked up stuff though. That kills me. Sad story. Yeah. Um. So. I think we've run the gambit. I think we have. That's a, that's why you got, a, got a good hour and a half out of us. There. Got a have good hour. Huh? There you go. Um, keep giving us that gas digital money. We're keep giving it to us. <laughs> yeah. Um, want to thank uh, Darren for being a, a patron too. Uh, make sure you reach out when you uh, when you hear this and um, all the other patrons who uh, who is Darren us a well. patron? No. <laughs> that's <laughs> a joke. It's a guy Darren who. Uh, he likes to chat with us, but he's uh, maybe he'll hear this one day, but he's not a baby. I don't think so. Just if odd. we don't reach out, Which I mean, not, not everyone has to chat, but he no, seems, you don't have he to, seems but like someone who could, it seems like potentially this is petty for this, you to bring this up. I would think that. What do you mean? Petty. This is a petty. If yeah. anyone still listen to this, they're going to think you're awfully petty. They, they don't know. Really. No, we have some awesome. We do have some great patrons too. That, that communicate with us a lot. Awesome. Oh, I know. But I mean, yes, not all of them reach out. Um, 
They don't have to reach out. They totally don't have to don't <laughs> do anything. I was saying, but the ones that do are oh, usually sure. really awesome, super supportive folks. Oh my and we God. appreciate you. Incredible. Right. Yeah. Right. No, bizarre. Bizarre. We are bizarrely successful for a podcast of our size yeah. because, of, because of you guys. Uh, we are back uh, on Saturday with Batman. Batman. And then uh, your next Patreon show uh, is the, uh, the Abyss. Which is James bullshit Cameron. that you're making me watch the fucking thea- theatrical release. Well, the I'm angry. I'm still angry. You can talk it. a little bit. I, mean, I, I, we, we probably I understand why. I understand but, why. I'm just angry. But you can talk about some of the differences, though. Yeah. I'm going to have to. Um, is that it? Anything else? That's it. See ya.